For the past week, US intelligence has been looking to the skies. First, there was a suspected spy balloon. Then came three unidentified flying objects over Alaska, Canada and Michigan. After days of speculation, the US has confirmed the existence of Beijing's balloon program. We were able to determine that China has a high-altitude balloon program for intelligence collection that's connected to the People's Liberation Army. It was operating during the previous administration, but they did not detect it. We detected it. We tracked it. And we have been carefully studying it to learn as much as we can. That's John Kirby from the White House National Security Council speaking in just the past hour. Dr. Oriana Schuyler Mastro is a, a centre fellow at Stanford University's Freeman Spogli Institute for International Studies. And our guest this morning, good morning. Good morning. How has the US determined that China has a high altitude balloon program connected to, to China's army? Well, I think a lot of the information of how the United States assesses the surveillance reconnaissance and intelligence capabilities of other countries is not really available for uh, public discourse. But we know from this balloon and from other instances that the United States can identify the purpose of certain objects based on the technology that they're employing and most likely the signals in terms of uplinks and downlinks that these objects are emitting would also tell the U.S. government a lot about what their purposes are and who is in charge of these objects. Did these objects pose a military threat? Well, I think it depends on what you mean by military threat. They are obviously unarmed in that they're not sort of pushing forth any sort of kinetic threat, but they do highlight the fact that the Chinese military has been very focused on preparing for an armed conflict with the United States. And for that reason, they need to gather as much intelligence about U.S. military capabilities uh, as possible. And that's what these balloons are primarily designed for. U.S. intelligence has detected balloons flying over 40 other countries and five continents. Will there be international cooperation on this? Is this likely to escalate in terms of defence? Ideally, there will be some sort of multilateral effort. The Chinese, whether it be the military, the party, or the government more broadly, they often build power by exploiting gaps in the international order. It's very popular for us to say that they're violating international norms, but the truth is, in a lot of cases, those norms don't exist. And I think the instance with these balloons is a good example. So ideally, the United States, U.S. allies and partners like Australia will come together to try to formulate clear rules of the road for all these types of objects, whether they be from the private sector or government employed uh, and appropriate uses in the future. You say these norms don't exist. I mean, we have a rules-based order. Uh, How do they not exist? So when you talk about a rules-based order, there are some things that are codified in international law and some things that are just codified in practice. So, for example, the United States, Australia, a lot of countries in Asia have a certain position on what types of military activities can happen in uh, international seas, in particular in the exclusive economic zone, so like 200 nautical miles from our country's coast. But a lot of countries have a different view. China, India, Brazil feel like any sort of military vessels should not be engaging in military activities like surveillance and reconnaissance within those waters. So this is up for... uh, discussion, let us say, can be a part of international law to say 
that this is regulated, but a lot of law is based on precedent. That's also based on application. So you need a consensus of at least a majority of states or the most important states to make something actually work. It's the same case with an outer space treaty. The rules and regulations for what you can and cannot do in outer space are actually pretty ambiguous. So there are new areas to explore. And I think this is definitely one of those that countries should come together to discuss. What I think is confusing the world, if you like, is the question of whether this is a new phenomena or have there always been surveillance balloons flying in the skies? And why is it just suddenly now becoming an issue? So that's a great question. I am also wondering why it's suddenly becoming an issue. Uh, The bottom line is that this is not a new program. I wouldn't say that uh, these balloons have always existed, though there are instances of sort of pre-satellite days in which balloons have had a significant role in warfare, uh, you know, for since they've existed, whether for reconnaissance or like the Japanese used them um, for attacks uh, in World War II. Why it's becoming a big issue now, I think, you know, there's a lot going on between the United States and China and Australia, a lot of different ways that China challenges and threatens um, both countries, Australia and the United States national security. My speculation is that these balloons were not one of the top priorities. Given everything else that we are dealing with when it comes to the rise of China, uh, other things have come um, first. For example, in the area of intelligence collection, the United States has been focused on China infiltrating spies through research universities or stealing certain high technologies that could be used in, in military for military purposes in warfare. So I think it's probably become this big issue largely because of public focus, that now everyone is well aware of this threat and it just seems very audacious for the Chinese or, you know, in this, in at least in one instance of the object that we know of, uh, to be violating U.S. airspace and uh, conducting surveillance and reconnaissance against the United States. But there's nothing particularly surprising about this Chinese program compared to, you know, the hundreds of other programs that they have designed to gain an edge uh, on the United States and its allies in great power competition. Why not use satellites? This is a really fundamental question people have. It seems unusual. It it reminds me of when I was in graduate school and uh, I was presenting a paper on China and whether it reveals or conceals information about its military. And one of my colleagues who didn't have um, potentially the operational background asked you know, why, why do we even care what they tell us or don't tell us? We can see everything with satellites. The bottom line is that satellites are actually quite limited. First of all, they can often um, be degraded in their capabilities based on simple things like weather, not being able to see through certain types of weather or uh, certain types of materials that can easily hide things. Um, Satellites also cannot be maneuvered. So if we want to be in a certain place at a certain time to hear or see something in particular, uh, in many cases, the satellites uh, that countries have just won't be in place when they need to be. It's also the case that countries can very easily predict when satellites are passing overhead. So if you're a country trying to hide uh, some military capabilities that you have, uh, you can very easily cloak those for the period of time that the satellite is overhead. Now, the United States uses primarily you know, ships and aircraft operating in international airspace. So these are not uh, comparable to what China is doing, but in international waters and international airspace, to be able to 
glean some intelligence in a more flexible way. China doesn't have the ability to project power that far. So they couldn't send an aircraft to be able to do a similar thing off the coast of the United States at this stage of their military development. And for that reason, I think they've developed this balloon program primarily as a stopgap measure while they try to extend the reach of their traditional military capabilities. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me. Dr. Oriana Schuyler Mastro is from the center is a center fellow at Stanford University's Freeman Spogli Institute for International Studies. You're listening to ABC RN Breakfast. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.